Welcome to episode 68 of Crypto Weekly. Crypto Weekly would like to take this opportunity to throw their considerable political clout behind Boris Johnson in the leadership contest for the Tory party and therefore the Prime Ministership of England. Boris, Boris. Carry on, you strange bumbling buffoon. This week in the news, (laughs) CCN goes offline blaming Google for their update. India propose a bill to give 10-year jail sentences to anyone involved in cryptocurrency, apart from themselves. And Dharma open a $100 million cryptocurrency fund. All this and more on this week's Crypto Weekly. If you enjoy the show, please do head on over to patreon.com slash crypto weekly and help support the show. I'm joined in the studio by one Dr. P Money. Howdy. How many in a row have you made it to so far? Drinks. No, episodes of the podcast. Oh, right. I think this is two, is it? Stellar work. What are you drinking tonight, friend? (laughs) Uh, I'm having a red, courtesy of Buble. Thank you. Parfait. Mr. Geordie Prince is with us. Hello, Ken. What are you drinking on this fine evening? I uh, drink an Unstellar Artois. Back to basics, mate. Mr. Bitcoin Buble. Evening. You all right? I'm very well. Are you also on a red wine? I am. How is that going down? It's nice. Glad to hear it. Mr. Crypto Beak. Hi, Ken. What are you drinking tonight? Stella. Excellent. I am your host, Crypto Ken. Still on the sparkling water. It's time to get on with the news. CCN are claiming they're going to have to shut down... Days after a Google update, which saw a 70% drop in their organic traffic, is censorship killing the internet? Yes, Ken. Uh, so it looks like, so CCN is saying that they, that particular branch of their company is over. They feel, they say they're going to move their staff to some other like uh, f- like forum for journalists or whatever. So hopefully they keep reporting on crypto. But CCN, as we once knew it, appears at this stage like it's going under, as you say, as a result of Google's June 2019 core update, which took away 70% of the traffic to their website, which is a rough break for them. And I've got a lot of sympathy for these guys because reading the article that the founder wrote on the site, he does outline the fact that they started in 2013. So that's very, very early in the, in the crypto game. One guy started it, he spun it up now, reinvested all the profits, spun it up now to a 60-person team. This thing goes through with like 24 hours notice, and they've, Google, in their infinite wisdom, have rendered this company basically unprofitable going forward. So I feel for them, I really do. The Daily Mail also got hit for 50%. Well, so that's, there are arguments that it could be right-wing, that's, leaning sites. While the mirror... The apparently the most left wing or one of the most left wing papers in the UK got plus fifty four percent off that. Yeah. Uh Huff Post plus forty four percent. Metro plus twenty seven percent. The Sun plus fifty four percent. So a lot of left leaning left leaning publications have done well off it. Right leaning publications got wrecked. I think one of the, one interesting intersection, if you will, is that the reason 
people think so many or one theory for why so many cryptocurrency sites might have got wrecked by this and ccn aren't aren't the only ones there are other major crypto outlets like coindesk lost 20 percent of their traffic for example is that people claim you know there's this long-running theory about how um everyone in crypto has this strong like right-leaning political bias so they think that the reason these sites might have been affected by that by this is that the political motivations basically made these sites kind of collateral damage on the basis of their right-leaning politics even the in the article that the founder of ccn um says he he does he says we have no political leanings blah 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 blah, but he also admits that some of the op-ed material on their site was very positive for donald trump so i imagine uh, google would have absolutely no trouble identifying them as something that they wanted to clamp down on if they allegedly made this change to um impede right-leaning websites what what is it that Google have done that has affected these right leaning websites? Well, that's the thing. Um, so nobody has been able to get in touch with basically anyone at Google, other than some boilerplate like, oh, you know, standard corporate bullshit. So all the all these site admins and people that are heavily invested in these sites went straight to the uh, was it Google Webmaster Forum? Correct. Is that right? Yeah, and. They've posted all. They've been po- like absolutely spamming that, saying, "Why have you literally ruined my business?" <laughs> um, to which they received basically a load of uh, inconsequential platitudes. And their main one of their main gripes is that not one of them has been able to get in touch with anyone who's actually worked on the update itself. So they have no they have no clue like what the aim was, what's actually been changed. They can only see the result. Yeah. It's completely opaque from the outside looking in. A lot of people in the crypto space, especially on crypto Twitter, are would probably consider themselves, I guess, libertarian Correct. leaning. And from their perspective, some people might be shouting censorship, but also this is a, uh, a private enterprise in mm. Google making a choice about what they list on their search results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, I guess there's a kind of dissonance between the, the two. Uh, that those two angles yeah i mean this this is why i'm no longer a libertarian this is a great example because they would have you believe that the market through over time will just sort problems like this out on its own but it's clearly never going to happen yeah. google are they own like what 90 percent sorry 88 percent of desktop search and over 90 percent of mobile search so this is they run a complete monopoly in this market given how important the internet is they are probably more more powerful than a lot of governments in the world so if they the libertarians believe that this is like the the actions of say me the consumer is going to somehow undercut and undermine google's revenue to the point where they'll remedy this kind of action they're absolutely delusional the remedy to this is obviously the heavy hand of the state falling like the hammer of thor yeah. onto google until they, they're literally just prohibited from doing this kind of thing because this is never going to solve itself so Adam Smith is currently turning in his grave mm. right now. Spinning so fast as to appear a gyroscope. Because that invisible hand isn't currently coming to solve all of the problems of a free market in the search space. Correct. Absolutely correct. It could be argued that the market is actually doing what it's supposed to. Nobody cares enough to switch from Google back to AltaVista. 
how to yeah. Vista. Well, I mean, I am <laughs> <laughs> obviously I use nothing but DuckDuckGo for any searches, as I recommend everyone else listening to this to do. But I don't believe that that's ever going to be enough to release the absolute stranglehold this one firm has on this one market. But and also, it isn't just one market. It's like internet search, but what what is internet search these days? It's literally thousands of other markets, yeah. both markets, uh, meaning like commercially, but also the marketplace of ideas, for instance. Obviously, people are saying that Google have done this. There are a lot of um, there's been a lot of speculation, say on talk radio in America, about this has been done in anticipation of 2020, because after this like lightning bolt of a loss in tw- the 2016 pres- U.S. presidential election. All the analysis was done about which hives of activity online generated support for the winning side. And this has been one of the, allegedly been one of the results. Would Craig Wright's MetaNet solve this problem? If it would, he has my complete support. That's how much I despise this kind of bullshit. Like, how would you decentralize search? The problem is, as we'll probably get to in our deep dive later on, is that while all this information can be decentralized, you're still going to have centralised front ends displaying what they want, basically. Mm. So unless mm. someone wants to actually go and search through the blockchain for whatever they need, or use some kind of blockchain explorer for looking yeah, at the and, raw and, data. And you've got, end u- you've got end users who aren't either competent enough or bothered enough to mm. curate what they uh, anything more than what they're fed by Google, basically, which, as I say, is why the state needs to come in and intervene. Yes, correct. It's like people who claim they get most of their news through Facebook, which is shocking. Terrifying. Most of their news through Facebook. Yeah, an alarming so amount of people claim they get their news through Facebook. Um, I Dream of Gems said something like, oh, uh, there's, there's some demographic which I fit into uh, are, <laughs> the only, are the only users of Facebook. And I was like, you? Well, yeah, me. And I was like, I thought it was everybody outside this demographic. Yeah. Like, am I missing all the news because I'm not on Facebook? You're missing nothing, Ruble. Nothing. Nothing of value. Can't even say honk anymore. Yes, exactly. I mean, that is legit clown world, though. <laughs> just, got, just got a YouTube notification telling me a video explaining that Facebook have banned the word honk. Yeah. The use of the word honk on well, Facebook. Their policies. Obvi- like 4chan confirmed for winner- winners yet again they have the ultimate expression of clown world has been the result of the clown world meme moving from the invisible hand of the free market over to the visible hand of the government India propose a bill to give 10 year jail terms for anyone involved in any way with cryptocurrency Apart from themselves, as they hope to launch the digital rupee <laughs> sometime soon. Hold tight, Venezuela. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, you've seen India. It's mental over there. Wow, tell me more, Mr. B. They're thinking of giving... They're, they're proposing a bill that's going to put someone 10 years in the slammer for holding a bit of crypto. That seems a bit strong. It's crazy. It's not through yet, Ken, but it might be. Um, some of the punishments are incredibly harsh as well as a 10 stretch which is also unbailable <laughs> so you it sounds like you can't get bail for a crime as heinous as holding although in fairness if you hold an eos and you got to do a 10 stretch without bail 
I can't say I'm wholly against it. <laughs> but they're also going to get uh, fined. And it is either thrice, not once, not twice, but thrice the loss caused to the system. Or thrice the gains made by him slash her. Whichever is biggest. <laughs> so yeah. they're going to calculate your gains or somehow calculate the loss made to the system. This is not- what I liked. The language here, the damage done to the system. Yeah. Yeah. Not only your actual gain, you're not just on the hook for your actual gain, but also the intended gain made. Oh, I'll tell you what. So, some of the XRP holders that say the holding $200 could be on the hook for like 7 trillion there you quid. Go. So, Your Honor, we have reason to believe he was attempting a moon mission. <laughs> like, <laughs> 50 years in the slammer. Yeah. He thought uh, he thought Ripple would get to $536. Oh, yeah. So he, th- he thinks he's going to make $100 trillion, So don't worry about the whole uh, national debt. He'll be clearing that one. Yeah. Dopey fuckers. Yeah. you really got to watch what you're tweeting out in India if you're holding XRP. <laughs> but there is speculation that this is being done or being forced through by the Central Bank of India to exert greater control as they try to introduce their own cryptocurrency, the digital rupee. Correct, Ken. I and feel like both of these can't happen, right? They're both proposals, the digital rupee and this 10 years of the slammer for holding ETH or whatever. Well, I think, of course, like they, they could both this happen. This proposed bill does leave the digital rupee exempt. Yeah. Okay. Of course they can be like, no cryptocurrencies, but ours is fine. Like 10 years for holding Bitcoin, but... You can have as much of the digital rupee as you can afford. The digital rupee obviously being a total sham of a cryptocurrency. It's never going to be decentralized. So they probably already have. Like, I mean, I'm sure they have. Uh, you can get a, a digital bank account that it's denominated in rupee. So they basically already have it. A digital rupee, total meme. So I know we're talking about something that hasn't happened yet. It may happen. But this is the second most populous country in the world, if I'm not mistaken. This seems quite a drastic move for for a significant portion of the population uh, of the planet. I don't see it as a stretch to say that other countries follow suit in deciding to ban cryptocurrency because it means that they are unable to control it. Yeah, agreed. I think we are. Yeah, I think this is definitely another symptom of effect, of uh, the realization in regulators and governments that this is something that if enacted is something they can't influence and can't control so i remember what it was some some economist we were, we were talking about last the other week he was saying that uh they should ban bitcoin um basically admitting that because it's beyond their control that was his right. whole argument yeah. so i do think that if there has been this um or it appears that there's been a i think it's just an increased knowledge about crypto like what cryptocurrency is etc cetera, etc cetera, and also realization that just fud by like mark carney isn't going to be enough to keep a population the entire population away from it it's becoming more more and more people are becoming interested and it's particular i feel like the governments of um developing nations are particularly um susceptible to this because there's a lot of unrest in certain populations to begin with, but also their currencies are also not necessarily in the case of India, but we all know the examples of developing nations whose currencies have been extremely volatile and people have adopted crypto en masse in those countries. So maybe India is trying to kind of preempt something like that. So, so I think the biggest point about this is we've spoken with regards to the privacy coins 
or I've spoken about how I think they'll get banned. And Japan went in and banned privacy coins. India are now trying to ban all cryptos. And whenever this comes up, everyone says, oh, but you can't ban Bitcoin. How are you going to ban it? It's unstoppable. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it still can move around on the internet. But a lot of people aren't going to want to risk losing three times anything they've made from crypto or doing 10 years in prison. No merchants will accept it. No one will cash you out. So unless you can interact with your buddies on the internet for, like, CSGO skins, you, you're really having a nightmare. I think that if they do, if everywhere does actually make cryptos illegal, then they'll be illegal and they won't be worth very much money. People who say, oh, how are they going to find it as well? Just like, well, by, by looking on your computer, by looking for your hardware wallet. Same, it's like saying, how, how they make drugs illegal because they're in my house. How are they going to see in my house? Like... Complete morons. If the government want to make it legal, it will really hurt crypto. And I don't think India will hurt it too much, but if China or the United States ever made it legal, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Anyway, I'm done with talking about India. Also, if you could stop throwing a load of rubbish in the Ganges, that would be great. Um, moving on. Dharma have announced a $100 million cryptocurrency fund, and apparently they're going all long ether and counting on a big old bull run. Who or what the devil is Dharma? Dharma. It's a fund. Well, it seems to be actually a company called Dharma Capital. But the reason it's been reported at the moment is because the mainstream media is calling this incredibly painfully the big long. And uh, that <laughs> hold loose the mainstream media. Absolutely boorish. But basically, Andrew Keyes, he's one of the biggest East Shills ever, one of the first employees at Consensus. He and some of his buddies set up this fund where they're investing in ETH. They're, they're going long for 10 years, he claims. That's not a, that all, a big long. Yeah, that's, that's what a lot of us in the crypto community have been calling it, the big long. <laughs> uh, so they're holding mainly, they're basically trying to accumulate Ether. They may do a bit of trading. They apparently sold quite a lot at the top in 2018, bought a load at the bottom... They buy a few shit coins here and there, it seems. But they're, they're mainly long. They're attempting to accumulate as much ether as possible and they're pitching it to um, institutional investment. The way they're setting it up as a fund, the institutional guys don't have to actually hold ether and worry about you know the Indian government shutting them down. They're just holding uh, equity in this fund. I If I was... A guy who could get this, uh, get access to it, I would probably invest in it because Andrew Keys is absolutely inner circle Ethereum. He's going to insider trade the shit out of everyone. I think Dharma is going to make a load of money, and it's probably better than just holding ETH. Yeah, can we just clarify that this is not Dharma, which is the decentralized lending platform, right? Correct. Nothing, to do, nothing to do with them. Dharma Capital. Okay. Good. So when they say that this um, this fund is now open to investors or opening to investors, what's does the that, minimum buy-in? Does that mean Probably are they loads. are they selling units or like units that represent ownership of the assets that they already own, or are they do what additional funds that they to the funds they hold? Like what's the? Couldn't tell you. I did try and look at their take a look at their thesis. So at the moment they've got they've got two funds. 
one of which that is open is called Dharma Optimized Long ETH, which sounds like it means they're long in ETH, but they're going to try and do some sweet shit now and again to make it better. Mm. They've also got another one for Bitcoin. You have to be an accredited investor to even get their brochure sent out to you. So mm. I don't know. I don't think we'll know the exact details unless you print, sign up, like the financial Illuminati member you are, get the thesis sent through and we'll report back in a couple of weeks. Let's do it. Excellent. In other excellent news, Truffle, made by Consensus, a suite of products for creating distributed applications on the Ethereum network, have partnered with Microsoft. Whoop, whoop. Anyway... That's the news done. <laughs> Time to move on to Beak with Market Watch. All right, I've had a quick look at Coin Paprika, and I'm ready to go. The crypto market cap as a whole didn't move much in last week, but it's slightly in the red, down 2% to about $251 billion at the time of recording. Bitcoin's down 2%, while ETH's down about 3.5%. The biggest winner in the top 10 this week is LTC, which is up around 23% this week, P-Money celebrating. With the halving coming up only about 56 days away and the hashing power being at an all-time high. The hashtag Litecoin fam are no doubt celebrating with monster energy drinks and taking a couple less shifts than usual at Burger King after this relatively huge pump in a generally red week of crypto. LC will be interesting to watch over the next couple of months as the halving approaches. I don't have any strong opinions on it, and I won't be trading it, but it may give us some indication as to how the market might react to Bitcoin's halving next year. Elsewhere in the top 20, Bitcoin SV took a bit of a beating. It's down 20%, Tron's down 15%, and the biggest news is probably LEO, which is the Bitfinex exchange token. It's made its first appearance on the crypto tracking sites this week and is straight into the top 20. Currently number 13 and has $1.9 billion in market cap, which is about double what it was worth when it IEO'd. So good job to the people who bought that, I guess. Lower down the top 100, Monocoin, hold tight, can. Yes. Following the <laughs> pump last week, it's now to the second phase of the Mona pattern and it has dumped. Down 25% this week. But that's far from the biggest mover this week. We've got three for you. Phantom, just listed on Binance, hence the spaz pump. It's up over 100%. Agricia, also up over 100%. Which describes itself as, and word or warning to the asthma sufferers, you may need your inhalers on hand for this one. The world's largest HTML5 blockchain. Oh my what? god. Yeah. Agrees you up over 100%. So there you go. GX Chain, which seems to have been, seems to have a website written completely in Chinese or another similar language that seems to forgo letters for extremely small drawings, narrowly <laughs> missed out on three figure gains. It made 90% this week and is somehow the 58th biggest cryptocurrency by market cap, despite seemingly no one knowing anything about it, at least in the Western world. It's got market cap for $138 million, making it worth over double its fellow Depos chain Loom, despite Loom getting 10% this week. Crypto Twitter, everyone's still getting everything wrong while telling everyone they got everything right. Google's still brainwashing us, and I'm still in the Crypto Gremlin Ghetto reporting on the finest abominations the clown market has to offer. So not much has changed this week. 
Honk. Over to you in the studio, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> hank, Hank. Thanks, Mr. Beak. It's time for Crypto Weeklies. Weekly Crypto. Thank you, Mr. Robot. Yeah, good one. Two weeks ago, we mentioned four coins, and last week we put it to you, the listener, to pick one that we will discuss in depth right now. You had the option of Loopring, BitTorrent, Ethereum, and Solve. With 51% of the vote, you chose Ethereum, which we're going to give a very balanced view of this week in the Crypto Weekly's Weekly Crypto. Can someone give me a rundown on what Ethereum is? Too slow, unscalable Vitalik scam chain. That's not really biased, but I like that you've gone with the bad side. The, the That's arguments. not biased? Oh, sorry, that is biased. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, an, it's, uh, it's an EOS and Tron killer, I think that's what we decided. Can mm. we just say what it is before we start <laughs> going on both sides of the argument? It's a blockchain. It's a smart contract platform. It's Stratis for solidity. It's, mm. like, it's like the retail version of Stratis. Right, mm. okay, all right. It's, yeah. like a, it's like the main chain of Loom. Yeah, it's like yeah. Loom. Well, yeah. you know, arguable. <laughs> it's like well, it's sort of a side chain of Loom, really. It's like programmable Bitcoin. Except way shit. Yeah, oh, okay, all right. Because and, um, Vitalik made a fork of it yeah. ages ago. It's, it's Ethereum an, classic, but centralised. So, you right, can I give a brief history. <laughs> there was once a young, skeletal, autistic man from Canada who had Russian heritage who used to get paid many, many bitcoins to write in online cryptocurrency websites <laughs> articles about his favourite cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. And he really liked Bitcoin. And he also really liked World of Warcraft. Oh, he loved playing the Warlock. Oh, it was his favourite. He particularly liked a specific skill of his Warlock that basically was super OP. And he knew it and this is part of the reason why he's salty about it now. World of Warcraft released a patch. Nerfing his beloved warlock. And, quote-unquote, the young man, otherwise known as Vitalik Buterin, cried himself to sleep that night. Woo. Anyway. The idea was born that nothing that is centralised in this world can remain pure. And he wanted to not only decentralise money with Bitcoin, but also decentralise all applications. He needed a smart contract platform. And the young man set to working. Our Russian hero. This is the same guy who's Canadian? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our Canadian Russian hero, Vitalik Buterin, became the youngest person in history to receive the Teal Fellowship. After he failed to complete his degree, more. After he dropped, we received the Teal Fellowship, dropped out of his degree, which I assume is in computer science, to be honest, and started work on the Ethereum network. And here we are today, the second largest market cap so, cryptocurrency. Ken, we had, we all had a bit of a go there at explaining what Ethereum was. No, you fucking didn't. <laughs> True. Yeah. In as few words as possible, not Vitalik's history. What is Ethereum? A smart contract platform. For what? Programmable money. Why? 
to program money. No, you're not answering the why. Like, why is that important? What's the... Trustless money. Trustless contracts. Contracts, no human. But Only computer. Robot contracts. The trustlessness is compared to a, a money system where the, the trust is centralised in a central bank. Correct. Right? There is still trust in a trustless crypto network because you have to trust that the network is going to exist. Yeah, but there's whole other elements of trustless behaviour in smart contracts, like you can set up an insurance uh, policy where that gets paid out like programmatically based mm-hmm. on an input. So when you enter on those contracts with your insurance company, you have to trust that A, they have enough money, B, they will pay you out, not not find some loophole to not pay you out. Yep. So there are other elements of trust other than just the central bank versus the blockchain. I guess there is still trust in that network in the sense that you have to trust that somebody's going to process your code. Yeah, you're right. Without the trustless decentralized base, then all of those uh, use cases don't really work. Because if you can identify the source of a smart contract, you can still, uh, the network can still censor it. Yeah. So it's not completely trustless. No, you're right. I was just more talking about use cases for for trustlessness. So you're right. The, the, the trustless, trustless element of the smart contract are built on the presupposition that the blockchain itself is extremely decentralized. But yeah. yeah. So without that, obviously, all the all the all that fails. I think that. While there are certain types of trust that are unquestionably removed, as Beak points out, for example, if, uh, if, say, an insurance smart contract, you're comparing your trust in the liquidity of an insurance company with, I would assume, an amount of ETH that is locked into a smart contract that is going to be a payout under certain conditions if whatever you're insuring against happens. However, so that's that that level of trust is is removed from that equation but i feel like especially for the layman like you have to trust for instance that there aren't any there isn't a way for whoever wrote the smart contract to exploit it or for the other party mm-hmm. for instance the insurance company to have been in cahoots with the author of the smart contract or other kind of scenarios so but yeah I, but i'm thinking about it probably a more even a fundamental level in that if we look back at the Google uh, story earlier where Google have decided that there are certain types of uh, website or articles that they're not going to accept on their search results, the Ethereum nodes could decide that they're not going to process transactions on these particular smart contracts. So the Alex Jones uh, frog smart contract... So if you're trying to buy your... It's not going to be processed. Alpha male vitality products. Yep. Yeah, Someone could try and censor it. You'd need a lot of people on board, basically. It would be a lot harder for people to achieve that on a decentralized blockchain than Google just being like, we're literally going to unperson Alex Jones. But it's not impossible. No, definitely Correct. not possible. It's Correct. very possible. So it's possible. not trustless. It's, mm. it's You're only, right. When I hear trustless, I think that there is a literally zero trust, but there is still trust in the it's network. Decentralized trust is... But the aim is, the aim is to have a decentralized, trustless 
way of executing contracts, basically, of yep. transferring yep. money around so that, and executing contracts. But you're right, it's not there yet. So it's a, that's like a theoretical ideal that you would see the Ethereum blockchain as a step towards compared to the existing centralized systems that we have now. Okay, so not a trustless smart contract platform. Thank you very much. <laughs> what is a smart contract? Smart contract is a contract that gets executed programmatically, i.e. by computers and that. So, we're saying it's a piece of code that is written and lives on the blockchain and carries out certain functions. Yeah, so for instance, a really easy example would be uh, a gambling game, sort of like heads or tails. There's a function that generates a number at random, let's say between 0 and 100, you can battle 50, above 50 or below 50. If that, if your bet is correct, you get paid out without a human or anything human controlled having to actually give you the money. The money's in there, sort of like an escrow. If that number hits, you get paid out. If the, if the number doesn't hit, the other guy gets paid out. That element of it, the actual paying, the actual executing of the contract, humans are not involved that's the quote-unquote smart bit about it and the trustless part of it. Perfect. So, you've got these people making an app, uh, distributed applications on the Ethereum network. So... Why is that possibly a bad thing? Well, firstly, so these distributed apps, the dApps or decentralized apps, are just a collection of smart contracts. I don't think that anyone... I don't think it's inherently a bad thing, but... It's tricky for, based on our current technology, for people to have these properly decentralized applications functioning at the same level as centralized applications. You're right. And a lot of the FUD that gets thrown Ethereum's way is that... Too slow. One is too slow, which we'll get onto in a second. And the second one is that we have this open smart contract platform where anyone is able to throw up some code and throw up a decentralized application. But do we really want Jimmy, Jimmy Jones? Jim Jones? Is that really the name you want to I'll call it? Jim Jones. <laughs> I'd, I'd be interested if Jim Jones does have a dap. I'd be very interested in playing it. Jimmy Jones Dips sat up. in his bedroom. He's been programming for six months just for the fun of it. After he left it. So. Yeah. And he, too, too wants, he wants to throw up a decentralized application. Yeah. Is this going to create poor quality applications? Yeah. And throw people off wanting to use Ethereum? Mm, I don't really get this argument. It's like, oh, it's too easy to bloody use. I, I don't understand it. Neither do I. People get really mad that anyone can use it. Like, oh, I really... I really want to take power from the banks and the big corporations to be decentralized, but I only want a select few people to be able to publish smart contracts. Makes no sense at all. So, at the moment, it probably costs a few dollars to put the most complex smart contract together that you possibly can. Whereas, I don't know if we've spoken about Neon Adeep. We have spoken about Neon Adeep. Yeah, we've we? slaughtered Neon Adeep. Yeah, we? that's several thousand dollars, and apparently that is a positive for Neo over Ethereum. It is a different strategy. <laughs> Thank you for being... A shit one. <laughs> Incredibly balanced, Mr. P-Money. Another prime piece of FUD that Ethereum that is thrown at Ethereum is that it doesn't scale very well. 
we're only getting 20 to 30 transactions per second. That the is no good. It's not enough, is Jesus it? If we want to loads of that, loads more than that. If we want to be removing all payment systems and all financial systems and replacing them with the Ethereum network, that's nowhere near enough, is it? No. Oh. So that is fair fud. It right now ETH doesn't scale to where it needs to be to achieve the goals. They're working on it. Hopefully, they'll achieve it. Or not, because I'm objective, you know. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Who knows? I think they will. EOS and Tron are way better because they can do loads of transactions per second, Beak, or anyone else. That is true. They are much faster. But Ethereum's product is decentralized applications. And EOS and Tron are not really decentralized. So they've got good applications. They've got applications that are fast, but they haven't really got any decentralized applications. There are some environments where I specifically want a centralized party. Yeah. And one of those places, surprisingly, is banking. For me, I want to know that if I accidentally send some money to the wrong person or somebody hacks my account, the bank will go, you know what? That was wrong. I'm going to reverse that transaction. You're right, but there's a trade-off between those two. The reason that they can just... I've done the same. They're just basically yep. like, did you send this money? I'm like, no, just send it back. Mm -hmm. Because they make so much money from you. Yep. So there are pros and cons to it, and I do agree. There are certainly some things that centralization is... There are definitely pros to centralization, but there are also pros to decentralization in some cases. Mm. We've seen it go badly. 2008 spawned the whole of cryptocurrency. So we know that there are times that go badly, but I do agree with you broadly there but i don't think i think a lot of these arguments are thinking that for something like ethereum or decentralized cryptocurrencies in general to be successful everything has to be decentralized i don't think that's true at all imagine if decentralized applications took 10 percent of the market share of centralized companies now that still makes them worth trillions and trillions of dollars that's still like 10 hundred x increase potentially without even taking we, like while sharing uh, the market with centralized oh, applications yes. and companies. But I guess what I, where I'm concerned is that the, the market is pricing in this decentralized future vision. Well, you the, could. The $100,000 Bitcoin idea yeah. is based on the fact that Bitcoin is going to become the global currency. Well, that is. You're right that that. The, 200k 250k million dollar bitcoin is saying that but it would be priced in at those levels it's only what 8k or whatever ethereum's entire market cap is like 15 billion dollars or something so the market cap of apple is like a trillion dollars so if you combine the market caps of all the centralized companies compared to the decentralized companies it obviously absolutely dwarfs it I'm, I don't think the people that suggest that everything will be decentralized will take over from everything within the next 20 years are obviously a bit mental. But if they could take a chunk of the market share, if they could take 5 or 10%, that would be an absolutely gigantic uh, amount cumulatively. You know, the, the decentralized application market cap as a whole would be many, many multiples of what it is now. But I think leading on from that, my biggest concern about Ethereum and all these platforms are that we don't know how these utility token models work because it is non-profit 
no one is making money from it and holding the token doesn't really make it doesn't make you money because just being part of the network isn't designed to make you money but we're hoping that the demand goes up and the price goes up because of that but no one really has seen this kind of economic system yet at at a mature level so we don't really know what's going to happen with the price utility sorry big you're not necessarily expecting it to go up you're just expecting that the value of that token to you has more value in the future yeah but and it's not that's not your but no but the value is measured in dollars yes but you're choosing your you will be choosing to spend (sighs) those tokens at a future point yeah but if the if i'm choosing to spend those tokens at a future point and they're worth eight dollars yeah. Then I'd be better off just buying them at eight dollars. But but mining right now is people are mining right now on Ethereum because it's profitable. Yeah, so I'm not talking about mining. Mining is a business. But mining is is what is maintaining the network. It's what is what is processing the contracts and making those transactions happen. Yeah. That is that is a market. Yeah, that's a different market though. That's not I'm that's that mining market, they just switch between whatever crypto they can make money on or whatever crypto they want to support. That's great. But I mean people who are holding the tokens. People who are mining, some people are mining to get the cryptocurrency they believe in in the future. It's a way of acquiring it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the pressure is mining and selling or, my, you know, like they're just making money immediately from doing it. But I'm talking about from a perspective of holding on to Ethereum because as an investment right. or speculating on the price of Ethereum. That's my biggest concern is that we don't really know how the adoption of the network will affect the price of the utility token. So people compare it to like the dot-com bubble and all that, but holding a, a share of Amazon gives you a share of Amazon's profits. Mm-hmm. So we know if Amazon do well, they make loads of money, you will get some of that money and the shares will go up because they'll be worth more money every year. They'll be worth that share of the profit. Whereas Ethereum isn't making any profit and you're not holding any ownership of it. You're holding a token that can be used on the network. And we have we don't know when the when that market and that platform matures what what holding one ether what what's that even mean? Mm-hmm. Do you, do you make money from that if people say demand will increase so you make money for it, but do we know that the demand to actually use it will be higher than the current demand to speculate on it? But Very also, hard to tell. But also with the with their plans to scale the network, presumably that counteracts that demand for the token the price of the token goes up because the availability of resource on that network goes down well i think so people would say the availability of the token if you make the fees cheaper then yeah you yeah i think that's another thing if you met the more the cheaper you make the fees like how we don't exactly know that how that'll affect mm-hmm. it all the halvings like the decrease in inflation like we know that that will make it more valuable but how much more there's Yep. I think that people, we just don't really know yet how this whole economic system works, and that concerns me. So it comes back to speculation. Yeah, I mean, I think everything in crypto is definitely speculation. But I think the reason that we're bullish on ETH is because, or I, probably all of us, think it's the best smart contract platform. So if you believe that smart contract has a lot of use, has a lot of potential utility, then, or decentralized smart contracts do, then Ethereum is basically the only decentralized smart contract platform, has the most developers by many times, uh, has the most backing from 
like individual end users and all the way through to institutions and yeah like the the strongest community so they're the reasons the decentralization aspect of it and all their other strengths are why we usually compare smart contract platforms to ethereum and we usually think all the other ones are much worse than Ethereum. great chat we're going to stop and we're going to go around the room who here is holding eth who will be buying more after this chat P-Money. I think I've got to go first because I've been trying to FUD it the hardest, despite being quite the advocate. Uh, I hold plenty. I will be slowly buying more. Because I, but specifically because I'm not long Bitcoin. And Ethereum, to me, is the hedge against Bitcoin in the crypto space. Mr. Jordy Prince. I'm with P-Money. Uh, of the last 15 seconds, not the last, 15, <laughs> not the last 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm both holding and looking to acquire more going forward. Mr. Bitcoin Buble. Uh Currently at 30% of my crypto bags uh, and buying ETH weekly. Perfect. Mr. Crypto Beak. Uh, yes, currently at 33% of my crypto bags and would be loads more if BNB didn't moon so hard. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be buying more slowly like P-Money and it is my the crypto I'm most bullish on it's probably about 90% of my crypto holdings Legend. because <laughs> OMG tanked so hard and horse and all the others I will be looking to buy more over the coming weeks please Please, Lord Yeshua above, is the robot ready to give us four more coins for next week? Oh, we're doing TA next week. Oh, sweet, we are. No, we're doing that the week after. I'm not here next week. We've got a boobler there for the TA Uh, abortion. But also, I was going to say, if only, Ken, there was a way that you could leverage ETH in a decentralized manner on the Ethereum platform. I could do that, but I've been burnt many times before. So I'm just holding it flat. Mr. Robot, please give us four coins for next week to deep dive into. One right. Let me just check coin. Check Pretty stack cool. overflow over here. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. You pair were pished last week. I lost track of who's who. Can you try and keep it together tonight, please? <laughs> no real news from me this week, except that my bags are packed full of Ethereum ready for my holiday with boobs next week. On with the draw. Pseudo randomly picking four coins from roughly the top 100 ish. <laughs> Genesis Vision, Nexo, Chainlink, Loom. Randomness, sorry, democracy, for the win. You're welcome. <laughs> Huge. Have we, had, have we let the Stinky Linkies vote before? No, we haven't. Wow. We've never got the stinky linkies in. <laughs> wow. So, hang on. Next and, week, none of, and none of you questioning those. No, I'm not the, questioning the, the that. The pseudo with the quotes. Pseudo random. I was trying to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> right, let there'll it be roll. A poll up. There'll be a poll up this week for you to choose between Genesis Vision Token, Nexo, Chainlink, or Loom. I wonder if the stinky linkies are going to win this one. We must finish the show because <laughs> I think the Geordie Prince is about to fall asleep on his feet. Correct. We've had Dr. P Money on the sound. You can catch me on Twitter <laughs> at Bitcoin underscore Buble. Mr. Geordie Prince. 
at HRH Geordie P. That's at HRH G E O R D I E P. Many, many thanks. Mr. Bitcoin Buble. You can find me, Bitcoin Buble, on Twitter at Dr. P Money. <laughs> Mr. Crypto Beak. <laughs> at Crypto underscore Beak if you want, but I'm trying not to tweet. I've been your host, Crypto Ken. You can find me on Twitter at Crypto Ken Can. We've been Crypto Weekly. You've been informed. Good night. You are welcome. <laughs>